Welcome to Walking by Faith. We believe and pray that through this message, you'll encounter God like never before, and that healing is released over your body today in Jesus' name. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on our app. Healing is not just an event. It can be a process that unfolds over time. Our faith sustains us through the journey, reminding us that God's will to heal remains constant, even when we don't witness immediate results. Let's get started with today's message, Believe to Receive. Well, today um, we're going to be ministering on the subject of divine healing. Um, I think it's interesting that about one-third of Jesus' ministry dealt with the subject of healing. Now, anybody who thinks they know everything there is to know about healing does not know, right? And do not claim to know everything there is to know about healing, but we do know some things. Um, I've I've been studying this for almost 50 years and uh, have learned a few things in 50 years. Now, here's the one thing I want to say right from the beginning. I am not trying to tell you anything you do not know, if you've been here for any length of time. But again, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6, this is what Paul said. He said, I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. Sometimes because we've heard something, we think that we've got it. But if it's not watered, it's not going to grow. It's not what you know. It's what you have working in your life. And no matter how much we know about a certain truth or a certain scripture, there is more. There is more revelation to come, more faith to come. So uh, I'd like to start in in Hebrews chapter 1. It says, verse 2, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. The Message Bible says it like this. The Son perfectly mirrors God and is the stamp of God's nature. Jesus perfectly mirrors God and is the stamp of God's nature. So I like to say it this way. Jesus is perfect theology. You look at Jesus and you see exactly what God the Father is like. Um, Particularly looking in the Old Testament, God dealt with mankind completely different in the Old Testament. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 19. For God was in Christ, restoring the world to himself, no longer counting men's sins against them, but blotting them out. In the Old Testament, sins had not been paid for and sins were held against people. But what Jesus did is he came and in one sacrifice, I just want you to shout one, right? One sacrifice, he paid for all sin for all time and reconciled mankind to God in one sacrifice. So in the Old Testament, we see God still holding men's sins against them. But in the New Testament, that is no longer true. Um, So we look at Jesus to find out exactly what God is like. Jesus is perfect theology. 
Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good. And, and again, uh, it, you look this up in the Greek, and, and we get our word uh, philanthropist from this. He's going around, and Jesus is doing good. He's helping the poor and the downtrodden. He's doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So everybody that Jesus healed, they were oppressed by whom? The devil. You will hear people say, God sent me this sickness. God sent me this disease. God's teaching me. God's punishing me. God's testing me. That is not true. Jesus never told anybody, oh, you haven't passed the test yet. You need to stick with this some longer. God's punishing you. You, you don't find that anywhere. Everyone Jesus healed, ultimately, that sickness goes back to when sin and death came into the world. All right? So Matthew 8, verse 16, says, Now when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirit with a word and healed all who were sick. Now, I want you to notice there were some sicknesses actually were caused by a spirit. He cast out a spirit and healed all who were sick, right? Many sicknesses are not a spirit. Most sicknesses are not a spirit, but some are. And, and we'll look at that just a little bit, right? Now, Let's go ahead and go over to Mark's gospel a minute, the uh, 17th verse. Jesus has just come down from the Mount of Transfiguration. He has three of his disciples with him, Peter, James, and John. But the other nine disciples, Jesus has left at the, the foot of the mountain. A man comes to them, and he has a son who we would probably say today has seizures, and the disciples minister to the boy, but the boy is not healed. So Jesus comes down, verse 17. Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. Now, this particular instance, it's a spirit. Uh, when the Bible talks about this, they're not trying, the Bible is not placating an ancient people who did not have a good understanding. There really are evil spirits. Demon spirits are real. Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. And he answered and said to him, this is Jesus speaking, O oh, faithless generation, how long will I be with you? How long will I bear with you? Bring him to me. And when they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Anybody ever here ever seen someone have a seizure? It's a pretty crazy wild thing. And apparently, when, they brought, when he brought the boy to the disciples, the same thing happened. And they saw that, and it kind of freaked him out. So he asked his father, 
how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he throws them both in the fire and the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. So the man says to Jesus, Jesus, here's my son. I want you to take care of him. Right? Now, here's what I want you to notice, that Jesus does not accept responsibility. A lot of times people will go and say, hey, I want you to pray for me. And they'll say, well, you know, if I get something, you got it. If you don't get something, I didn't get it, you know, and you didn't have it, right? But Jesus would not take responsibility for this man's son. Now, when Jesus goes to his own hometown, this is in Mark chapter 6, he's, he goes and he preaches in the synagogue. That's in Luke chapter 4. That's what happened. But then Jesus said, he said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, in his own house. Verse 5. Now, he, Jesus, could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. E.W. Vine, in, in his expository dictionary, brings out the fact that these people had minor ailments, like a couple hangnails and a wart. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Now, the Bible doesn't say Jesus wouldn't do a mighty work. It says Jesus couldn't do a mighty work. But we read Acts 10. It said that God anointed him with the Holy Ghost and power. What kind of power? It was healing power. Remember Mark 5? The woman touches his garment. Jesus sends his power go out of him. And the power went into the woman and healed the woman. It was healing power. Right? But he's got that same power, but he could do no mighty work. And the Bible tells us why, because of their, un not Jesus' unbelief, but their unbelief. Even though Jesus is anointed with the Holy Ghost and power to heal, he could not do it because of their unbelief. And here's what we do a lot of times. We just think, well, it's all up to God. If God wants it to happen, it's going to happen. And if God doesn't want it to happen, it's not going to happen. That is not true. That is not true. Here, Jesus ministered to people, but he could not do a mighty work because of their unbelief. And here, this man, just like Jesus, do what you can. And Jesus said, it's not just up to me. He said, if you can believe, Jesus said to the man, then all things are possible to him who believes. So without the man believing, what could Jesus do? Nothing. The man also had to believe. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, here's what the man said. Immediately, the father of the child cried out with tears, saying, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Now, remember, it was their unbelief in Nazareth that caused Jesus not to be able to do any mighty work there. So here's the scoop. I, for, I, I'm telling you, for years, this is what I thought. If I have faith, I don't have any unbelief. And if I have unbelief, I don't have any faith. But here's a man, and he says, I do have faith. I do believe, right? But I also have some unbelief. Now, when Jesus' disciples come to him later and say, why couldn't we deliver this boy? Jesus said, because of your unbelief. 
because of your unbelief. You see, if you have unbelief over here and faith over here, and they're pulling against each other, you're going nowhere. So it's unbelief that has to be dealt with. People often think, I just need more faith. Really, most of the time, you've got plenty of faith. But what you need is to deal with your unbelief. Get rid of the unbelief. I believe helped on my unbelief. And when Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. And the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly. He came out of him, became as one dead, so that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And the, the boy was completely delivered. Now, the disciples prayed for the boy, and the boy was not delivered. But Jesus came, and he showed us the will of God. The will of God the whole time was for the boy to be delivered. All right? But the disciples had unbelief and kept the boy from being delivered. If, if, if somebody's prayed for and there is not an immediate healing, that doesn't mean it's not God's will. Right? Definitely does not mean it's not God's will. Here's a perfect case. Jesus brought the will of God into that situation. And by the way, most of the time, if what people want is a miracle, instantaneous. But what the Bible says is lay hands on the sick and they will recover. They will get well. James 5 says to anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up process. Most of the time, healing is a process. It can be instantaneous, but the majority of the time, healing is a process. Now, as we mentioned earlier, really all sickness goes back to the fall when Satan came into the world, Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin, death sickness, disease, war, pestilence, any ugly thing you can think of, that's when it came in. Thus, death spread to all men. But God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Um, in the 21st chapter of Numbers, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, the children of Israel have just come out of Egypt. They're on their way to the promised land. They're going through the desert, and they're complaining, right? And they've got bad attitudes, right? And serpents begin to bite the people. And people are being bit by these poisonous serpents, and they're dying. And the people come to Moses and said, we've, we, we've sinned, we've, we've complained, we've had this bad attitude, we've been in rebellion against God. Then the Lord said to Moses, verse 8, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it's literally a serpent of brass. And by the way, brass in the Bible represents judgment. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks on it, the serpent, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and he put it on a pole. And so it was if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. 
Now, that serpent represents Jesus. In fact, uh, in John chapter 3, the, the best-known verse in the whole Bible is verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Here's the two verses before. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man will be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So Jesus is saying, that serpent was a type of me. Now, the serpent represents sin and the devil, right? But when Jesus went to the cross, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, says that he that knew no sin, that's Jesus, became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So just like Moses put that serpent up on a pole. Jesus said, they're going to put me up on a pole. They're going to put me on a cross. And just like there was forgiveness and there was healing back in Numbers, when they looked at that serpent that Moses put up, there is forgiveness and there is healing when we look at Jesus today. You see, the, the word salvation does not just mean forgiveness of sins, die and go to heaven. It means healing. It means deliverance. It means preservation. It means protection. There is more to salvation than just being forgiven of your sins and ultimately going to heaven. Luke chapter 13 and verse 10. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and in could no way raise herself up. Um, she, she's in the synagogue. She, does, she, she knows she has problems. Uh, I don't know if a doctor had examined her, if the doctor may have said she had scoliosis or, or curvature of the spine, whatever it was. And they would have given you a proper medical diagnosis. But there was a superior diagnosis, the spiritual diagnosis. In this case, the root cause was a demon spirit. The Bible refers to it as a spirit of infirmity. Now, sometimes when this type of a spirit, a spirit of infirmity manifests, if there's relief from one area, Let's just, just say there, there's arthritis in the elbow, right? And that gets taken care of. It will manifest someplace else in the body. That spirit will not leave unless the spirit is dealt with. So the person tends to go from one thing to another. But she had the spirit of infirmity 18 years, was bent over, could no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to himself and said to her, woman, you're loosed. Of your infirmity. Then he laid his hands on her. He spoke first, right? Then he laid his hands on her. Um, you'll, you'll notice when Peter is going to raise Dorcas from the dead, he prays first and then turns, lays his hands on her. Um, there, there, there's the prayer. The, the laying on of hands does two things. It, it's a point of contact to release your faith. Right? And often there's a tangible anointing that will manifest. 
And that's transferred to the laying on of hands. Call it the the law of, of contact and transmission. When there's faith and there's a tangible anointing present, the contact of, their, of your hands will transmit God's healing power. And that's literally what happens right here. We know Jesus is anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. It's healing power. When he touched her, that power went into her. He lays his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Now, notice she glorified God when she was healed. Some people say, well, I'm sick glorifying God. No, you glorify God when you get healed because that's what Jesus came to bring. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days in which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered and said, hypocrite, doesn't each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead it away to water? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it 18 years, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day. Now, notice who bound her? Satan had bound her for 18 years. But Jesus said, because she's a daughter of Abraham, she ought to be loosed. She ought to be healed. Because somebody ought to be healed doesn't mean they will be. It just means it's available to them, all right? Now, the reason was she's a daughter of Abraham. But Galatians 3.29 says, if you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed? You're a son or a daughter of Abraham. If you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Healing belongs to you as much as it belongs to her. Just like she ought to be healed, you and I ought to be healed. Because healing was purchased for us by Jesus. Whom Satan is bound, think of it, 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. When he had said these things, all of his adversaries were put to shame. And all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Sickness is never, not one time in the Bible, referred to as a blessing. In Deuteronomy 28, verses 16 through 68, it's called a curse. In Job chapter 42, it's called captivity. God turned the captivity of Job. Here in in Luke 13, it's called bondage, whom Satan has bound. Think of it 18 years. And in Acts 10, 38, it's called oppression. Jesus went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Never, not one time, is it referred to as a blessing. In Psalms 145, in verse 8, it says, The Lord is gracious, and he's full of compassion. He's slow to anger, and he is great in mercy. The Bible talks about the manifold mercy of God. There's all sorts of different aspects to the mercy of God. Like if you look at a diamond, there's all sorts of different angles and cuts on that diamond. The same thing is true about the mercy of God. For God is good and his tender mercies are over all of his works. In Psalms 136, it says, give thanks to the Lord for he's good, for his mercy endures forever. That word mercy there 
is in the Hebrew, it's the word hased. And it actually means covenant, loving kindness, and mercy. It's because of covenant. And it talks about all that he did for Israel because of the covenant, how he delivered them, how he protected them, how he provided for them. The whole chapter just goes on. It says to him who alone who does great wonders for his mercy, his hased, his covenant-keeping love and mercy endures forever, forever. Now, here's the great thing. You and I have a covenant with God. And it's, the Bible says, a better covenant than they had. Our covenant is even better than theirs, but it endures forever. The Bible says this in Isaiah 30 and verse 18. Therefore, the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you, and therefore he will be exalted. Literally, it's talking about Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 says that he's given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth. Why? Because he has been exalted. Therefore, he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. The reason Jesus went to the cross and is exalted is to have mercy on you. For the Lord is good and just and blessed are all who wait for him. So let me close with Luke chapter 18, verse 35. And it happened as he was coming near Jericho that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. And hearing the multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before him, they said that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him saying, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight. Now, when he was asking for mercy, you know what kind of mercy he wanted? Healing mercy. Healing mercy. That's what he was asking for. And the Lord, he's gracious. He's full of compassion. He's slow to anger. And he is great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. You know, we talk about the Bible. The Bible is the word of God. It's God speaking to you and to me. It's the will of God and it is absolute truth. And we say the Bible has got the, gr the great answers to life's questions and, and it is true. But the Bible also has the greatest questions. Let me give you a couple of them. The Bible says, what is your life? Think about that. What's your life? Somebody would say, well, my life's my family. Somebody would say, my life's a wreck. Somebody else might say, my life's my job. Somebody else would have the answer, well, my life's going nowhere. My life is, is my spouse, my kids. But the Bible answers the question. And the Bible says, what's your life? It's but a vapor. It's here for a moment and it's gone. 
You know, in the North country where we live, it's cold in the winter and you go outside and you breathe and you see your breath and in two or three seconds, it's gone. And the Bible says, that's what your life is like in light of eternity. Your life is just like a vapor that's here and it's gone. Another question from the Bible, what will the end be? Someday your body will wear out and die. And when that happens, what is the end going to be? Well, the the Bible says it is a multiple choice, but it's only two choices. It's A, I'm going to spend eternity with God in fellowship with him in a place we call heaven, or I'm going to spend eternity separated from God in a place of torment that's called hell. A third question, a jailer comes to a man named Paul and says, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And Paul answers that question and says that you need to believe on and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. In other words, there is no other Savior. There's no good works I can do. I can't pray enough or give enough or fast enough. Nothing that I can do can make me right with God. But Jesus came, died on a cross, shed his blood and paid for your and my sins. And the Bible says to as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to be the children of God. So I wanna pray with you and I want to lead you in a prayer to receive Jesus. And if you will pray this prayer from your heart, when we say amen, you're gonna be right with God. So once you repeat this, make this, these words your own, say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again, victorious over death, over sin, and over the devil. And I give Jesus all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I receive Jesus as my Savior, as my King, and I'm going to live for him every day. I thank you. You've heard my prayer. I'm forgiven. I'm a part of your family, a part of your kingdom now today and forever in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you just prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer and you're right with God. Now I've written a book to help you keep on growing spiritually. I want to send it to you absolutely free of charge and all the information is right there on your screen. Thank you so much for being with us and God bless you. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, congratulations. You're making one of the best decisions of your life. We're so excited for you. Just like Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv where you can have a copy mailed to you, download it instantly, or check out our audiobook. You can also find all these things on our app. This free book is a great resource as it's full of practical advice and encouragement to help you live a life of faith. Claim your free copy today. Walking by Faith is changing lives and we want you to be a part of it. Your gift will help us continue to produce inspiring content that encourages people to change the way they think and empowers them to use their voice. When you sow into God's kingdom, He will pour out His blessings upon you, just like it says in Malachi 3.10. There are three easy ways to give. Text WBFGIVE to 1-888-364-GIVE. Visit walkingbyfaith.tv give or click on the giving icon on our app. Thank you for your support. God is a God of healing and He wants to bring healing into your life. If you are in need, contact our prayer line where we have people standing by ready to pray with you. 
For more information on healing, visit walkingbyfaith.tv. You can also find all of our healing resources on our app. Thanks for watching. We'd love to get to know you better. By scanning this QR code, you can download our app, send us a prayer request, read our weekly devotionals, and so much more. To rewatch today's episode with closed captions, you can now find us on Rumble. We'll see you again next week. Until then, be blessed.